In the Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew. Hey there. It's been a while. It's in the lab. I'm Drew Doherty. That's John Harris putting up the U with uh, squigglies and our thumbs and all that stuff. Hey, man, miss doing this with you, but really during training camp, it's just not conducive to oh. all this because we've got a zillion Ooh. different things going on. So welcome back. How are you? Yeah, it's good to be back, Drew. Um, I thought about in the lab each and every Tuesday as we would be at practice and sweating our ourselves to death in some sense. And we're in the lab like, together, just not for the yeah. people, basically. You got it. Exactly. And so there were a lot of things that we kind of shared with one another that we probably couldn't share on in the lab. And some of those things, uh, one thing in particular came to fruition at, at some point through a late in training camp as we got ready for the 53 man roster. But yeah, it's good to be back and uh, glad, obviously, I see you pretty much every day. So it's cool to see you, but it's also good to talk to the people as well. Indeed. Okay. Yesterday, Nick Casario, general manager of the Texans, had a press conference with the local media and really, um, you know, spent quite a bit of time. And let me preface this by saying general managers, when they have press conferences, typically for about 20 to 25 minutes, sometimes longer, but typically they don't say anything. Like they, nope. they talk, but there's not much learned. You know, there's a lot of talking, but not much is learned. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not judging by that because they got to they got to keep things close to the vest. You know, they don't want to uh, tip their hands to other general managers around the league. Uh, that's true of Nick Casario. That's true of when Bill O'Brien was doing it. That's true when Brian Gain did it. Rick Smith. You know, those guys, mm-hmm. at least around here, they don't typically say too much. Uh, you don't get big, hot, steamy sound bites when a general manager has a press conference. But yesterday we kind of learned four little things, four interesting I, the, the nuggets I got from it. And, and they are, we're going to break them down individually. Trading, negotiations, mm-hmm. pass catching, and Scotty Phillips. So yep. let's start with the trades. What I, you know, was kind of confirmed by basically watching the way Nick Casario has operated since he took over. He said, listen, we're going to use six and sevenths uh, and trade for guys that we think we might have a chance to hit on that are veterans. So, you know, they they don't, they don't mind burning a sixth or seventh round pick, you know, typically sixth and seventh rounders. If they make your team the first year, that's good. And then a lot of times you'll see them cast to the side in the year two, three, four or after. So yeah, He's not afraid of, of uh, using some of those picks to get a guy that he thinks might stick around. Number, yeah, to go along with that, I, I racked my brain this morning for, first of all, the Texans having a, a seventh-round pick. I can't remember the last time they had a seventh-round pick because I know it wasn't in this draft. Um, there may have been some others, but I was trying to think about a seventh-round pick. You know, Colin Gillespie was a seventh-round pick, and – he lasted um, a year and a year and some change. Yep. Um, you know, uh, K- uh, Kelly, the Jermaine, Jermaine Kelly, I think his name was from San Jose State. Yeah. Never even got off the injured list for the year and some change that he was here. And so I think 
and and maybe I'm one of the more guilty parties here because I have always, 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 always pushed the fact that you got to build through the draft. Now, when I've said that, my thought has been, yeah, you, you've got to make sure that in the draft, there are more hits than misses in as many rounds as possible. But the fact of the matter is, and I'm not saying you just go in the sixth and seventh round and just pick whomever. You know, obviously everybody points back to Tom Brady, but there have been over the years a number of six round picks uh, that have been good. Even in this organization, there have been six round picks that have been uh, good contributors. Andre Howe. I'm trying to remember if Andre Howe was a sixth or a seventh. I think Andre might have been a seventh. He might have been one of the guys that actually that actually worked. It was a seventh, yeah. It was the seventh. And and I'm gonna break on down I'm gonna break down all the sevens when you finish your point here. Yeah. Um, but the point being, if you think about a draft pick as a the opportunity to select a player who is coming out of college who has never played in the NFL, or you look at it as an asset that can acquire a player that has already played in the NFL with some experience, and I, I take the Ryan Izzo issue. Uh, issue. I don't know. It's not an issue, but you take Ryan Izzo, for example, and Nick traded his seventh round pick and he for Ryan Izzo. It was somebody that he knew and somebody that had played the Patriots for a couple of years. Um, and so take a shot, you, you know, looking to bolster the tight end room. I mean, it's almost like they spent it kind of in, in insurance in some sense, looking at the tight end crew, you know, Nick and uh, had not been here. So he hadn't seen everybody up close. So you, take a little bit of insurance saying, look, if the tight end crew is not exactly what I expect, can I find a guy and Ryan is that can come in and give me 20 to 25 plays a game, playing a number of the different tight end spots, H back motion sniffer, whatever playing as inline. Why? Yeah. You take, you take a shot that you can trade a seventh for a player like that. I don't, I don't have, a, I don't have a problem with that. Nick did acknowledge. He's like, look, if, if you want to, if you want to say, Hey, we gave up a pick and the player didn't work out and, so, you know, that's that's a miss. He even acknowledged. He said, yeah, OK, I can understand people, you know, being being upset about that. And you want to you want to hit on those particular players. But the flip side of it is it's not as if you, know, you gave up basically the opportunity to pick the 226th best college player versus going out and getting a guy that has played in the NFL. Yeah. So I don't mind the philosophy at all now. Where it bites you is if you are doing that with a bunch of first-round picks, and that's what the Texans have. Because if you look at this roster, you – I mean, look, the Deshaun situation is what it is, but it doesn't look like he's going to play for the team. So when you look at this situation, the only first-round draft picks that have that are on this team that were drafted after, um, you know, 2012, the only one is Titus Howard. Yeah. If you also have Whitney Merciless, correct. but that was a decade. Well, that's what I'm saying, after 2012. Right, right. So, right. so you've got Whitney in 2012, and you got Titus in 2019. I mean, you know, first-round picks are valuable for a reason, and we haven't had them now. We got Laramie Tunsil out of that deal, but Laramie can't play corner. You know, Laramie can only play one spot. And so um, there have been opportunities lost because you didn't, um, you didn't have those picks. You didn't have an, an 18 you didn't have an 18 because you drafted Deshaun. So, okay, I can live with that. You didn't have the ones in 20 and 21 because you traded for Laramie. Now, one of them, I can see. Two of them, not at all. But point being, 
the draft is incredibly valuable. Every GM will tell you the draft has got to be valuable. However, as Nick has said, and he <laughs> makes his point to tell me this all the time because he knows how much I think of the draft. He's like, look, your team has to be the combination of draft picks, waiver claims, trades, signings. It's got to be all of that because you can't have a team of 53 draft picks. It's, it's not possible. Yeah. So you've got to be able to put all that group together. Um, so I appreciated the way that he did it. And I heard a caller yeah, at Sports Radio 610 saying, oh, you're just giving up you know, sixth and seventh round picks. I, I kind of get where the caller was going with that. But I don't mind the fact that Nick took a shot on Ryan Izzo. Okay, it didn't work. Yeah. But they're going to be a two, three times down the road where it might work that you gave up a seventh and you end up getting a quality starter for the next two, three years or whatever the case might be. So I, I, don't, I don't mind the philosophy at all, even though I see the absolute and complete value in the draft. And I think what a lot of people have missed is that had there been the mega trade that a lot of people expected, there would have been numerous opportunities to draft players. And yeah, you gave up some picks to move up and get Nico Collins because Nico is legit. You gave up, you gave up some, you know, possible fourth, fifth round picks to go up and get Nico Collins, who you know is legit. You got him in the third round. Nico's going to end up being a starter here for a long time. And you got him in the third round, but you weren't going to get him where you were selecting next. So you throw all that in. I think Nick looks at it the the, the way that you should, and that is draft picks are capital. How you determine what you're going to do with that capital. That ends up being um, the key. And, and I think he laid it out very clearly. He's like, look, if we think moving and, and swapping some of that capital is going to help us, we're going to do it. If not, we won't. Uh, like, okay, yeah. cool. I'm down with that. Uh, and then one other thing, I think there's a teensy tiny percentage, maybe even bigger, but a lot of these guys don't like having a seventh rounder because that means they can get a jump on yes. getting into the undrafted free agent market too. Um, I've seen that in the past. I don't know if that holds oh, yeah. true with Casario and this, yep. this crew, but um, I know for a fact under previous regimes, <laughs> that, that was like, that was uh, something that was positive. Let's go through the seventh rounders in team history. None this year, none last year, 19. You had Cullen Gillespie, good, solid special teamer on a good, yep. solid special teams, played fullback yep. a few snaps, but you know, he was a seventh rounder. I like Cullen and uh, I wish him luck, but He's, he's the last seventh rounder you had the year before, 18. Jermaine Kelly never played for you. Yep. Uh, same thing with Kyle Fuller in 17, offensive lineman, never yep. really played for you. In you know what he did? He played, you know, Kyle Fuller played tight end. If you remember the famous game in Cincinnati in 2017 where we had no tight ends. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but that, that's the extent of it. He was drafted. He was drafted. He was a center. So yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. Uh, none in 16. The last player you drafted in 16 in that draft was DJ reader, fifth rounder yeah. that worked out. Kenny yeah. Hilliard in 15. Andre, how an absolute yep. stud hit of a seventh rounder. I mean, you nailed Absolutely. that. So when you're trading nailed these guys it. away, you might have an Andre, how that you're missing out on Lonnie Ballantyne <laughs> was also a seventh rounder that year. Never really played for you. Didn't have one yeah. in 13, didn't have one in 12, in 11. Okay, you nailed another one. Stud seventh rounder, Derek Newton. Yeah, Derek Newton. Starting right tackle for you. He actually yep. played as a rookie in the jumbo sets, like when they'd go with um, 
Yeah, he'd be like the he'd have to brush and say he's yeah, yeah, yeah. eligible, but he was basically your you know another lineman. And then Cheddar Ozuwu was uh the last pick of the entire draft, never really played for you. Yeah. Um, and in 2010, Doran Dickerson, another guy who very, very yeah. talented, but just didn't really see much time for you. So over the last decade, that's sort of been the book on what the Texans have done. They nailed two of them early on mm-hmm. in uh, Newton and Hal, but for the most part, they got rid of them so they could yep. they could start on the, on the undrafted part, or uh, they just got guys that were seventh rounders and they didn't yep. they didn't absolutely hit. Okay, so another thing, part two of the four parts that we sort of learned from Casario is negotiating is not off limits during the season. Sometimes that has been the case here with multiple regimes again, but yep. Casario said, Hey, depending on the agent and player, we'll work with them and we'll, we'll figure out about uh, trying to get stuff done. So, you know, here in um, two weeks or less than two weeks now, it's not going to be a closed window until January, February for the Texans. They might do renegotiations. They might, Yep. You know, make some changes there. And I thought that was kind of interesting. That was, it was not something that's always offered up uh, as, as uh, from a GM, it might happen, but they don't talk yep. about it, but that was talked about and we'll see how it happens. Right. That was kind of interesting. The, right? Yeah. The way that the way that it was, I mean, it was a good question. Yeah. Nick's response was sort of along the lines of, well, yeah, I mean, we'll just, kind of take each as, you know, case by case basis. And he sort of kind of put in the player's lap. And you know, it's like, look, if, if, if we feel like this is a player we want to continue with, then if the player's agent wants to talk about it or the player wants to talk about it, we'll talk about it. If not, then we won't. I mean, he just seemed very like, well, okay, there's kind of two ways to do this. And it's pretty simple. <laughs> he almost was sort of incredulous that there would be a, you know, any other way, um, if if you you know want the player to stay with your particular team, so that was a, that was what stood out to me. But that was refreshing to hear. It was yeah, it was missed out on on yes. stuff in the past around here because yes, and I think there's one player in particular a lot of people you know think about or talk about, um, and that's that's Tyra Matthew. You know, mm-hmm. could you have locked up Tyron back in you know twenty you know twenty eighteen? Um, could you have locked him up if you did something during the season? Because I, I, I knew, you know, Tyron talked with me you know, wanting to be somewhere and be somewhere, you know, permanently. And you can really kind of see that the way he talks about Kansas City and all that kind of stuff. So I, I could have seen that, that help in that situation. But, yeah, I thought it was interesting that he addressed that the way that he did um, with the question. It was a good question, absolutely. Yeah, and he also answered another one about receivers. And it it's kind of a – multifolded question, but you talk about just catching passes and like the different zones of the the yeah. offense that they like catch passes, but also it's it sort of, he was hinting that hey, there's going to be a lot more movement roster wise because they probably think there's a guy or two or more out there. They want to add to the mix because yep. they've only got five of them right now. So right. that was, I don't want to say it was super telling, but it was kind of telling when you, yeah, and, and of those five, as you mentioned, Drew, two of them, Andre Roberts practiced, I think, for the first two or three days, and then we have, haven't seen him practice again. And Anthony Miller got hurt, unfortunately, up in Green Bay. So you're talking about five guys, but two of them have been banked up. Yeah. And we don't know – I mean, we don't know when they'll be back 
So we'll kind of keep our fingers crossed and you get both of them back. But as soon as I saw the roster construction, I looked at it and went, okay. Two, two things stood out. Number, number one, I felt like there would be 10 combined between receivers and running backs, but I thought it would be four and six. I didn't think it would be five and five. So I do think those two positions they, they might look at. I don't think they're going to have – I don't know if there's any way five guys will go into the game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, but um, it probably leads to our, our, you know, our final point, that being Scotty Phillips. We'll get to him in a second, but he's been, he's been magnificent. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked all you know, offseason. Oh, you got four vets. You got four vets. And, you know, you and I would say, wait a second, you know, you know, Scotty Phillips is pretty good, but he's just up against a numbers game. Well, he defied the numbers game really uh, the way he played. But I, I do think there's something with receivers, um, and I just think off the top of my head, the few of them, there, you know, John, John Smoke Brown, um, I think it was in Oakland, maybe could have been Buffalo. I can't remember where he, where he was his most recent stop. I just saw that he was, he was out there and he's a guy with speed downfield speed. Um, he's always, he's always had speed. I mean, his name is smoke by God. So he can, he can run and there'll be, there'll be more guys of that ilk that are out there. So there may be a waiver claim coming. There might be another. Uh, cut. I mean, look, we're you know what ten days at, at our recording here, ten days away from the from the opener. So, might be a receiver or two that are out there that they're going to take a look at. Yeah, we're recording this at nine fifty seven a.m. on Tuesday morning. So by the time this actually goes up on the website, we might have been made to look <laughs> yeah. like food. You know, yeah. there might yeah. have been an addition or subtraction. But yeah, Scotty <laughs> Phillips. You know, all all preseason long, when you and I are on the sidelines of three games nudge each other when you have a nice run and then yeah, he yeah. peeled off that first big run of the night last week uh, yeah, against the Bucks, Buccaneers. Yeah. you it was one of those runs that was long enough that you were on one side of the field with me on one side yep. of the bench that you had to go to the other side of the bench and as you were walking yeah. away we both looked at each other and we we're like he better make this team yep. <laughs> so yeah. and he did and it, it, um, it's so funny because you and i mean we know each other we kind of know we don't even have to say it we yeah. just look at each other and be like, yeah, you kind of know what it means. And it, and it was interesting because in that press conference, Nick talked about, he was asked about the running back position and keeping five. And he made, he alluded to the fact that, look, if you put a player, it wasn't just the running backs, but he, he, he said this when talking about the running backs or asked about the running backs, he was asked about, um, about that group. And he said, look, there are some players when you subject them to the waiver process, you just know you're not getting them back. Yeah. And, at that point, uh, on you know, unspoken communication, Mark Vanny, we were standing, you know, six feet away, being socially distanced. And I looked at him and I just kind of smiled because we both knew what that meant, and that probably was referring to Scotty Phillips. Now he could totally have been that was just our interpretation of it, and I'm sure it was a lot of people's interpretation because had Scotty, we even, we talked about it on the broadcast. I'm sure you guys did as well, Drew, that the way Scotty played in this in this preseason, the way he'd been in training camp. You put him on waivers, you were not getting him back. You weren't He's gone. He's on a 53 man roster somewhere, no doubt. Yeah, it was fun to see. And, and congratulations to him. Like, that's that's really awesome because it, it was a it was a dark year last year. He didn't really get too many opportunities and stuff was odd. And then he came in and he just he played his his butt off during the preseason yep. and really ran very, very well. So it was cool to see. And it's fun to see. And hear about his his re, his relationship to the other guys in that that running backs room because it's four seasoned veterans and then him and he's very very quiet. The other four, 
you know, they'll chit chat and they'll talk, but you know, he, he kind of keeps his, his cards close to the vest. Yep. Second time I've said that in this podcast, but it's fun to see and I'm happy for him. And I'm happy that you and I got to do an in the lab. Yes. Fun. So it's back. I love it, man. It's awesome. Thank we'll you. We'll be back with our first regular season in the lab next week. It'll be the day after Labor Day. And uh, we'll be having some fun chit chatting about the week ahead because it's the 53 man roster right now is going to look differently next week. I sh- assure you that it does uh, oh, yeah. as we sit here right now. So, till then, so long. <laughs>